church. Um, just a couple of things. Uh, thank you for those that came out and helped for uh, set up for the 9-11. And uh, uh, then we had the memorial service. A lot of people came out uh, uh, for that. And uh, I remember uh, Bill uh, Engelbertson, he, he shared about the importance of remembering 9-11 and teaching our children. We're at a, a time now where two decades now, 20 years, and now we have a generation that just doesn't know and the significance of that because of all, all of us that were alive then know exactly where we were and what we were doing. Isn't that right? Every single body. And it had such an impact. And it's our generation's Pearl Harbor. Uh, so we need to pass on truths and in, in the importance of freedom in this nation. Can I get an amen? amen. And maintaining that. So, um, okay, we've added three chairs this past week. So our total is 170,181 raised. Let's give the Lord praise for that. Thank you. Um, this is our goal uh, is to raise the 300,000, $1,000 a chair and he said, well, I, I can't afford a 1000 or whatever, and maybe you just start a monthly thing and make a pledge. Say, you know what, we're, we're, we're uh, moving towards this amount, and whatever God places on your heart, uh, we truly are, as Anzi shared, uh, we're walking in a miracle. For this time and this season as a church to be doing this is huge in the eyes of the community. It really is, and they drive by, and people are outside the church, you know what, I saw your building, and even for the contractors there, and just this, there's forward motion, and it's making a statement that God is alive and well. And that's a, a rescue, that is a hope, that is a, 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 a place and a source of strength for people. So thank you for all of you that have given towards that. And then uh, just another sign up for the life groups, make time to grow and build relationships I think there was a change that uh, the Salmons have. Uh, instead of the 30th, they're going to meet on the 4th of October, correct, on a Monday. And so please see, uh, Phil, just wave your hand there. Uh, Phil and Terry, one of a couple, and, and they'll get you set up on the, uh, any, any questions that you may have on that. Amen. Well, let's take a moment. I think I've got everything covered here. and Pray and ask for God's blessing this morning. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in myself I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and give to your people what they need here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We welcome all those on Facebook that have tuned in and, and on, on social media, and God bless you, and leaving God to speak with you this morning, and whether you're here in the state of Minnesota some state in the United States or overseas somewhere, or Sri Lanka, our, our dear friends in Sri Lanka, we love you all. God bless you. So this is the second week in the series, and I want to just start this off for some of you that may be like, well, I know this, Pastor Mike, as I'm born again, I know the Lord, and you truly uh, are secure in your salvation. But let me just say, over the last 15, 18 months, we've had um, an influx of people and and some because of their churches being closed or just whatever, regardless. And God is continuing to add to church for the harvest. And, and so sometimes, how many of you know we need to review truths in the Scripture? And so, so, you know, one thing, though, that really speaks to me is this verse in the Bible when it talks about uh, that it'll say that uh, Jesus on that last day, they'll say to the Lord, Lord, didn't we not, you know, prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils? 
didn't we not, I mean, in other words, when you read the description there, it's similar to like, what well, this is what Christians should be about. And, and the Lord will say at that time, depart from me because I never knew you. Uh-oh, that's scary. Come on, right? And so we should really recognize and know and have the right foundation of salvation, which we'll get into is actually the first cup. Understanding that through this promise in Exodus. So if you bring up the text there in Exodus 6, 6 and 7, this is our text, uh, uh, Exodus 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will. Somebody shout, I will. These are the I wills that God has promised for each and every one of us. I believe that even applies today. Well, yes, wasn't he speaking to Israel? Yes, he was, but it's timeless. It's God's promise to bring us out of our Egypts, to save us and to redeem us, to deliver us. Can I get an amen? To free us so we can, you know, do things for his kingdom and, and, and to serve and love him. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I'll be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Somebody say amen. So I have this quote as a Christian. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Think about that. What would it be if you could change? Have you ever thought about that question, the one thing? What would that be? And here's what's interesting. I never met a person that replied, oh, there's nothing. I'm perfect just the way I am. You just entered to the fathead category thinking that, right? Because we all know for, you know, that we all know we need to change. And if you don't believe that, your spouse would tell you that. Amen. But the question is not if we want to change, but I really find for a lot of people it's how do I change? How do we do this? Uh, uh, we all want a better tomorrow, and, and God has given us dreams and hopes, and, uh, you know, there are things that are maybe noticeable in, uh, in our life. There may be habits we want to break, goals that we want to reach, uh, skills and gifts that, that we want to develop. And, and, and so the question is, like, so how do we change? And and uh, number one, I would say we need to live out our lives in constant pursuit of all that God has for us. So that is an attitude, that is a posture. But there's a quote here, if we want our life to be different, we have to become different. Simply stated, but it's the truth. In other words, we need to grow. We need to grow, uh, not just physically, but I'm talking spiritually and mentally, all right? And, and even there's a, there's a care and concern about our physical health right? And needing to be having strong immune systems in this season. Can I get an amen? Uh, that's the obvious right there. And so we need to grow. And so we've heard this before many times. If you do what you always done and get what you, you will always get what you always gotten, right? And so without forward progress, watch this, there's no growth. And to have forward progress, it requires growth. It requires that we grow, that we are intentional about that. And I thought this was really revealing here, this quote. If all we needed was a desire to grow, we would all be improving every day. <laughs> How many want to grow? Spiritually, grow in the things of God, grow in your gifts. Then we would be super, super awesome growers if we just needed just desire. And so the question is, why are we not growing at times? And I believe it's because the idea at times can be overwhelming. And uh, for some people, they have the the genius of tenacity, and, and uh, there's, there's, 
this working genius and tenacious people, they are ferocious at, if you tell them to do something, they attack that and do that. And I know there's no procrastinators in here this morning. Yeah. I know I should do it, and I'll get to it. Well, the handle on the toilet's been broken for a year, so you have a rope to flush it. Come on, somebody. Well, we're all laughing because you know. But I'm a very tenacious person, and, and I just, I'm at, I'm at it. And things I see, I look, or whatever, I don't like that, that's blown, that's that, and I'm there on top of it because I know I don't want to be frustrated someday when I really need it, and it's not working. I'm, I'm meddling to someone's chili right now. Uh, but that's the same. I believe that attitude is with the Lord for our life. Do you honestly think he's up in heaven just thinking, hey, man, how, just, I love you. However, you know, you want to walk your life out right now, it's all good. And, hey, no plans. Just whatever, whatever you want to do. God has a plan for our life. And he has a destination he's trying to take us to. Amen? Or oh me, yes. And so, so, you know, what do we do first? What is the plan that, that, for this to happen? How do we move forward? And so here's the thing about growth. Uh, and when I say growth spiritual, that translates into the natural. Uh, you can just be a fathead and have a lot of knowledge and, and nobody wants to hang around with you because you're so opinionated. Uh, that's our day and age right now. Everybody has an opinion. Everyone wants, wants to say something. Nobody wants to listen. Amen. And so, <clears throat> but, but here's the thing about growth. It's, it requires that we be in, intentional, and, and, and it requires proven concrete steps. And so the truth of the matter is we know we need to grow, uh, but, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we, we, we don't understand how to do that, how to do that. And, you know, a few years ago, actually probably been four or five years, we've, uh, I just kind of had this thought that I felt, you know, I'm on a growth path, and what about the staff? And so we presented that, and and so as a staff, we're on a growth track ourselves, and, and we read through books. We have certain podcasts, the amount we listen to on a yearly basis, and dig deep. We try to dig into topics that are relevant today, okay, and that and learn and to grow and to read about that so so we can be able to, to minister that. How many with me say amen? And so, so the goal of this is to help you identify where are you at in your spiritual journey in these cups. And there is a progress that the Lord had to help you address that. And so the big, the big idea is this, you, you, and this is, this is huge. You cannot be completely satisfied about your life until you have taken the journey that God has set out for your life. Now, I just you need to think, let that sink in. That is an eternal truth right there. That's not in the Bible, but it's the truth that I believe is, is reverberate, you know, is repeated many times in the Bible. Uh, a lot of times we, you know, we try to do it our way. And people do it. People do it every day. They make millions, billions of dollars, and they have houses and yachts and boats. And, and we read and see about the life, and they think, oh, so lucky they are. But you see, if you do not live your life with Christ at the center, you can have the big, fat retirement account, money coming in, making money off of your money and all of this and full and have whatever you want. It's broken. you got the resources, but you have a hollow, empty life still. That's not negating those who make money and those who are affluent in that. Nothing at all because there's uh, all on the spectrum. But uh, you cannot be satisfied unless you fulfill what God has placed in your life. How many with me say Amen. And so, why is that? Because God's ways are better than your ways. They're better than my ways. His ways are better. And the Bible is filled with story after story of a man or a person doing things their way and crashing and burning. 
crashing and burning. But how many know that God is a restorer? I said he's a restorer, and only he can turn the bad past to a glorious future. That's the God we serve. So, so if you come broken, all that, you're welcome. You're received here at Harvest. So my challenge is, is let's follow God's plan for our life. Don't just be a meager church attender. There was a very few amens on that. Grow yourself. Get involved in lead. Sign up for it. Sign up for these life groups. Well, I don't know anybody there, and I'm kind of shy. Great. I'm the same way. Show up, and then you can become unshy. Because someone will know your name. How many remember the sitcom Cheers? Yeah, some of you. You know, and they walk in and everyone's high five. Everyone knows your name. Well, you only if you hide and you're like a phantom, you come to church and boom, you're gone. Nobody's gonna know. Come on, I'm telling the truth. But you think, oh, I wish I had relationships like them. They know and people hug them and see them. They spent time with them. They got they were intentional about getting to know. And at times that can be very challenging. Amen? Because it's hard. Why? Because people, we're messy. We're just messy. But God created it that way. He set that up that way. How many still love the Lord? Say amen. You may not love me at this time, but you may love the Lord. So the four cups continue. And so just very briefly here, a little recap in the ancient celebration of Passover. We find a picture of God's heart in these four cups. Uh, the four cups of wine represent, re- representing each of these core promises that I believe God, it still applies for today. So the four cups represent God's plan for our lives. And they were, once again, just for Israel at that time coming out of Egypt. They are, I believe, eternal. How many know when God said, in the beginning, let there be light, light is still expanding. It hasn't stopped. Well, we can't see that. We can only see 13 billion years. Light is still expanding. When God speaks something, it's eternal. It goes on. It doesn't stop and say, you know what? There's no power to fulfill that. God has the power for it to continue. So when God writes something and says something, you may not believe it. You may not have embraced it, but it's still a truth. Amen. And so they represent God's plan for our life. And not just the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, but any believer who comes out of their own Egypt. I, I think all of us know about what that means. We all have had an Egypt in our life, right? I don't need to delve any more in that, amen? Things we just don't want to bring up, things that we don't want to talk about. Egypt in our life, sin, bondage, but into God's promises. See, the issue is not that Egypt is in your life. The issue is being free from Egypt in your Christian walk. I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. But so the first cup, I say, is the cup of promise, that promise of salvation. How many know the Bible says, for all have sinned? What does that mean? That means, watch this, every single one of us that born from a woman, which is everybody here, uh, uh, we came out and we had a little tiny cute baby sin nature, an ugly nature, a nasty nature, uh, uh, as cute as you were, as the prettiest dress on you, come on, and how you are, you know, oh, they're so beautiful, so cute, so handsome, little boy, look at them, dress up, sin nature. And who do you blame for that? You don't blame God, Adam. Adam sold us out. Come on, it, this is the thing. He sold us out. It's like, well, he disobeyed, and then the whole race, like, I would have some words for Adam when I get to heaven, you know? Uh, but he suffered too from that. But that's the facts. That's the facts. And so, but here's the thing. The, it, the Bible says all have sinned. 
fallen short. So we all need redemption. We all need salvation. And that's something in the natural you cannot do. It is a spiritual transformation that has to happen. Here's the thing. Um, It's a relationship. It's not a name on a roster on a church. Did you get that? That's not. A lot of people associate, you know. They just associate uh, with church and believe that, you know, if I'm just associating, I'm a part of this church and I join this church, something is happening, I'm saved. Friends, that's not how it works. It's good to be plugged in. It's good to be a part of church. It's good to associate and know the people of God. But God is asking each and every one of us to be in a relationship with him. Pull up the scripture, Titus 3, 3 and 8. Uh, I just highlighted a certain part, but I'm just going to read before and after. It wasn't so long ago, and I love this translation. You'll get it in a moment. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, (laughs) Uh, duped of sin. This is what it says. Ordered every which way by our glands. Moving right along. Going around with a chip on our shoulder, hating and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. Some of you think, uh, you just read my mail a minute ago, Pastor. Uh, It was all his doing. Okay, we play a part in that. His doing. We had nothing to do, with nothing at all. No, we didn't do anything. It had nothing to do with the cross and salvation. He gave us a good bath, praise God. And we came out of it, new people washed inside and out by the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good verse in that translation. And it goes, our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And and there's more to life to come, an eternity of life. And you can count on this. That's what the Bible says. Wow. So what is that? That's the first cup we are to drink from. It is the cup of salvation. It's that cup of the Lord providing salvation in our life. And and that's the first cup we need. It starts the, the, the process of spiritual growth in uh, change in our life. We know this, but some of them may not. You're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. You have a mind, will, and emotions. Three-part being, I believe. It's, it's uh, uh, revealed in Scripture. Your spirit man or spirit woman is going to live forever. Someday. This shell, when we die, will rot and, you know, dissect and be gone, turn to dust. But the spirit man and woman will live forever. And when we're born into this world, we have a sin nature. We're not regenerate. We have a sin nature. So as nice as you are and as kind as you are and as maybe compassionate as giving you are, uh, you cannot change that. Only God can change that nature that is hell-bent. So, well, I don't really believe that, Pastor Mike. Just tell a two-year-old no. Come on. Amen? When when my kids were two years old, they weren't like, Daddy, I just love Jesus, and I'm here to obey every word you say. Did you touch that? No. Did you hit your sister? No, I didn't. Go get dressed. No, don't. No. Sin nature right there, the little cute little kid. Amen. And that needs to be curbed. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So what am I saying? This starts the process of growth. This is the first step. Okay? It's salvation. It's the first step. God has to reset ownership. Uh, you had one master, Satan, and under, under the judgment, 
uh, and you'll receive a new master, God Almighty. Because the Bible says we're all born into sin and corruption. And so God, God has to mobilize us out of the bondage that we were in. And so we can pull this up, the cup of sanctification. And that verse is uh, Exodus 6.6. 6. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Now, now notice this. God declares that he will bring you out. It says he will bring, he himself will bring you out. It's like, it's like God is saying this, if I could, could paraphrase. Let me bring you out. I'm not going to change you at first outwardly. I'm not interested in all the things you've, you've been doing. I'm telling you, let me take you as you are. Rotten, filthy, full of sin, and let me change you. That's the gospel message right there. Because you can't do it. You can't do it. As hard as you try, you cannot do it. And people have tried hard. Listen, I've traveled the world and see how they do it in other third world countries and nations. And uh, they try a lot harder than we do. I mean, they'll stand in a freezing cold river for 12 hours a day, every single day for nine months. I met a man like that on the plane. And why? He goes, trying to find my karma. Trying to, fi trying to find God. Standing in a freezing river for 12 hours a day. You got to be kidding. People crazy. They will crawl on their knees, some of them for miles, trying to appease an angry God. <laughs> they try. It's not enough. Uh, our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. And so God is saying, let me take you as you are. And so a lot of times, you know, we feel we can clean up our act before coming to God. We know we can't. Once again, can't be good enough for God's st standard. We can't be kind enough. We can't be caring enough. And I'm not saying those who don't know the Lord don't do kind and nice, caring things. I'm not implying that. But the truth of the matter is, and in light of eternity, it equates to nothing. Because God says, your righteousness is a filthy rag. Do you know what I mean by a filthy rag? I go through a lot of rags in the garage and then it gets to a point where every time I touch it, something sticky on it, something oily on it, something nasty, I got to pitch it. That's what God's saying. God's saying, the harder you try on your own, it's like a filthy rag. How many with me say amen? And we fall short. All our feeble attempts to do good, we fall short. It's not enough. You know, I had a, a second lieutenant while I was in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in uh, Subic Bay in the Philippines. And I had this little God squad, bunch of Marines that got saved and water baptized. And we would have Bible studies. And, and so we were raising some money for a pastor there locally for uh, a refrigerator. And, and uh, so we're asking for, for money. And we began to witness to this second lieutenant, sharp guy. And, and we talked about how he, he, you know, he's a sinner and that his life is, you know, as, as filthy rags. He just got mad at me. He just was upset. What are you trying to say? He goes, I'm a good person. I'm not, I never killed anybody. I've never, you know, I'm, I've got a couple things wrong, but hey, I'm a good person. He got upset. And the guy was with me. He said, no, you're, you're, you're spirit man. You're wicked. You need God. And he was, he was upset. But there was another lieutenant that was next to him and said, man, they're right. They're telling the truth. And we're the enlisted guys. <laughs> so, uh, but, but you know, that's the, that's like how the world, how the world is. And so, and so God invites us to come as we are. Here's the thing. Let me just say this about Church for the Harvest and Harvest members. We need, a mind, we need to have this mindset, especially as we move in this new building. God is bringing people into his church. And I don't mean just this church. And churches are proclaiming the truth throughout all this country. And, and churches are going to be the lighthouse in a dark world. 
in a scary world, in a fear-filled world, they're going to look around and go, oh my God, where is their hope? And they see you smile, walking your walk when tragic things are happening and knowing, I trust in the Lord. That is magnetic. That is Christ-likeness in, in the image of Christ. And so, but we need to mind ourselves. And here's the thing, lost people are messed up. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, what do lost people do? They sin. They fornicate. They lie. They cheat. They steal. Come on. You know, they're angry. They're unforgiving. All these things. And here's the thing. They're supposed to be that way. Why? Because that's what sinners do. Come on. Amen. It's like you almost, you, oh, I won't even say it, but you know, it's, it's what sinners do. And uh, you need to, they're not right. They're sinful. They're dirty, unclean. And, and so we need to have that mindset knowing that things might get dirty with people. But that's okay. They're welcome in the house of God if they're seeking freedom and they want to change. And there may be heavy things we deal with, things we have to face with, but you know what? Christ can bring deliverance and healing, and I believe that because God still is alive and well. Isaiah 1.18 says, the Lord says, now let us settle the matter. You are stained red with sin, but I will wash you as clean as snow. Although your stains are deep red, you will be white as wool. Somebody say amen. That's a good word because that's what God wants to do. And that's how God changes us. James 4, 8, 9 says, James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Revelation twenty two seventeen is an open invitation. Come, whosoever will. So you have a choice in that. Let him take of the water of life freely. So what is God saying? He's, his desire, there's many more verses, but... God is saying, come as you are. Come as you are with all your baggage, all your issues. Come here. Drink of that first cup of salvation to receive Christ into your life. It's, a, it's the ABCs. It's the beginning. It's something Christ has provided. It starts your journey of spiritual growth. You must understand that first step and what it means. Because you know what I find? There's so many people that are in churches, on rosters, and members of churches, and they don't understand or have a clue of what it means to be born again. They don't understand and they're locked up under tradition and religion, religion, and they're running around and serving and giving, and there's no hope. You should, every single one of you should have a hope of eternal life. Amen. Right now, listen, I know death is scary, and even at the, the last moment it is, but you know what? In that moment, you say, you know what? Your word says, and I trust you, and know that you will carry me on. Amen? Because his word is truth. God's word is truth. An open invitation. Uh, God says that he will bring us out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And uh, it's a spiritual picture. It's a spiritual picture. We can be set free out of our sin. Uh, that, 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 how many of you know that we can come out of Egypt, watch this, but Egypt still can be within us? Now, let me, let me be clear on this. We can still have bondage set in us. So we can be saved out of Egypt, but some Egypt still can be in us. And those are called strongholds. Those are mental uh, bondages. Those are sometimes mental health issues. Those are uh, uh, oppression and demonic things, you know. An example may be 
you know, you know, somebody uh, uh, is a thief and they steal, or maybe alcoholism was a bondage in the family line, a stronghold, or some type of an addiction, or whatever. I hate to just name things, and uh, but you know, smoking, whatever it may be that you're trying to be set free from, and to break that, those are bondages. So, so you can come to Christ and drink of drink of that cup of salvation, and you're a chain smoker, and still, once you're born again, you can still be a chain smoker. So you need to be set free from that. And so, well, when people are set free, you're saying, Pastor Mike, they never have temptations. Not, not at all. Sometimes they are daily resisting. They smell the smoke or whatever, the drink, the alcohol, whatever it may be, the temptation, but they resist. Come on, I'm speaking to basic ABC spiritual freedom truths here. Amen. All right. And, and so, so what they do, they just walk in that freedom. They make a choice every day. To say, you know what? For me and my house, I want to serve the Lord and walk in this freedom. But, but it's a process. It's a process many times. But I think of the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. And Moses is up in the mountain. He's got the Ten Commandments. He's been up there a while. And so what happens? They're freed out of Egypt. They're free from the oppression of the Egyptians. They're in the wilderness there. Woo, we're out from underneath that. Next thing I know, make us a God. We don't know where Moses is at. So what does Aaron do, the pastor at that time? Um, okay, take all your little earrings and stuff and let's just throw it in the fire and poof, there came a calf out. Come on, Aaron. The guy made it and formed it, all right? And so Moses comes down. What is all this rioting? And God was furious. He wanted to destroy them. Moses intercedes and wipe them out. And Moses said, what are you doing? I, said, I just threw this gold and it popped out a golden calf. Ah, he needed to be fired, Amen. <laughs> The first promise is the promise of salvation. Choose you this day. Choose you this day. Here's the thing. The first thing that happens in your life is going to happen in a moment. Salvation is immediate. It is something that happens immediately. It is not something that you try to make. You just repent and you receive and you, you, you acknowledge God as Lord and Savior, and you invite him into your spirit man or spirit woman, and you ask him to take charge. Become Lord of my life. You're drinking of the cup of salvation. How many see that say amen? Just very simple, ABC. But it's something you do. What I find is a lot of uh, people that are seeking, they don't understand that. They don't understand. They just think that it's something that has to kind of just happen, and it's a feeling. No, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, come on, you believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So there's confession, there's speaking, there's receiving, and we're born again. It's like, well, I feel the same after that. That's okay. We walk by faith, not by feelings, because God's word is true. How many see that same M? So uh, freedom from our sin. So that's the first promise, that promise where we did the old man. And so God will take us out. He'll take us out of that and save us, regenerate. That Bible says that you are a new creation. All things, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all things will pass away. He, he comes into your spirit man or spirit woman, and he, as that scripture we read, he washes us. White as wool, and our spirit man is different. And you notice someone that is authentically saved, they go, you know, I just know. I just know, like, I have this assurance that, that I, was, I was touched by God. It's very simple. It's not, not complicated. Uh, it's something that even as Billy Graham would preach to millions and millions of people, he talked at a level that an eighth grader could understand it, and millions responded. What does that mean? He wasn't dumbing it down. It's a simple message. 
I said, it's a simple message. But if it's not talked about that and people don't understand what that means, people miss it. Because why? We have an enemy out there. He wants to confuse and cloud, as I shared earlier, and bring division and, 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 and confuse people. But this is available to all. Did you hear that? I, I'm going to say that again. It's available to all who will receive this cup of salvation. Every, and, oh, I murdered somebody, Pastor. What? Uh, you know, I've done these horrible things. Salvation is available to all. But we have to humble ourselves. We have to drink of that cup. We have to receive that from the Lord. Amen? And so, but the next step is there's freedom. And that's a process. Uh, yeah, Because sometimes there's just leftover residue in our life. And, and so what does that mean? That means we need to watch this work, not in a works mentality, but we work and we work with the Holy Spirit. And, and there's, a, there's a role, watch this now, we have to play. That's not works. That's true. Pull up that scripture. I call it Paul's six eyes. Six eyes. Therefore, Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. What does it say here? Therefore, I, somebody shout I. I. Do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like I am. You know, I am beating the air. No, I discipline my body. I thought it was all Jesus. It's all Jesus. And the reverses that said it's him that's doing, working within us. Thank God for that. You have a free will. And you have a choice. So I discipline my body. Well, how do I discipline my body? Oh, Pastor, I want to lose weight. (laughs) I discipline my body and say no. (laughs) Oh, I want that right now. Anyhow, that's just a little interjection. That's not Bible, but you understand what I'm saying. I discipline my body spiritually in areas that I need to. Paul, Paul is saying this. Paul is saying that. And I make it my what? Slave. Why? Because your flesh, my flesh, free reign will destroy your life. It'll kill you. It'll, it'll make you crazy, screwed up, messed up, confused, abused, come on, broken, shattered, crushed. All right, enough on that. We all understand that. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, uh oh, I myself will not be disqualified. Somebody say amen to that. So what? We're not where we want to be, but we are by God's grace and that new nature, right? The work that he did, uh, we are moving and we are, watch this, we are changing. Here's some good news. Pull up this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. I love this. It says, and we all, someone shout, we all. It's not just certain people. If your heart is open, we all who with unveiled faces, and we know the story in the Old Testament about Moses' face was veiled before the people because of the glory of God. Unveiled faces, actually, it's a picture of humility. Watch this. Transparency, not hiding. So we all with not hiding Christians. I could put that in there. I know that's not proper English, but you know what I'm saying? We hide. How you doing? Praise God. Things are great. We're hiding, right? Some of us. <laughs> We're hiding. Well, you know what? I remember talking to one person. And I said, hey, how you doing? I was in another state visiting. He goes, oh, I'm doing great. And, and um, good, great, great kid, loves God. I mean, solid man of God. I really like this guy. And then the next minute he goes, I'm really not doing good, pastor. And he starts talking. Oh, okay. So I got an opportunity to pray and minister life to him. Amen. And so I'm not just saying that, you know, we become volcanoes or whatever, we erupt on people, but the truth of the matter is, is we need to be honest with ourselves. Amen? You out there this morning? I'm almost done. 
Unveil faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Or what? A being transformed into his image. That's what I want. Is that what you want? I want to be more Christ-like, not devil-like. Come on. You know, he's a Christian. He liked the devil. And there's many times I've acted devil-like, not Christ-like. Come on. And interesting, it says this, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is that spirit? Somebody say, praise God. And this is where I believe many Christians are at. We love God. We want him in our lives. And we want, uh, we want to change, but we still need God's transforming, delivering power that conforms us to his image. That's the second cup. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week. <clears throat> we want that. Freedom in Christ. Somebody shout freedom. Freedom. Let me just say this about freedom. You could sum it up. Freedom is dying daily to yourself. Dying daily. What do you mean? That's what freedom. We operate in freedom. Because any given moment at a time, we can stop dying to our flesh. Right? Bad things happen. I'm just telling you, bad things happen, right? Maybe it's just me, but bad things happen. We don't die daily, all right? The scripture talks about that, but we'll get into that. And so whatever it may be, a lot of times it's not easy. It's not easy, but God wants us to cooperate with him. So in conclusion, let me just say this. Freedom starts with the right foundation. This first step, it's the right foundation. Let me give an illustration here. Some of you heard this before, but with many new people, the problem is, is many people, they've come to Christ with the wrong teaching about what it means. And, and, and the message that they were spoken to that I even heard growing up, and this will maybe uh, resound with many of you in a moment here, it, they were wrong motives, uh, wrong understanding of the gospel. And, and you know what? I, I grew up in the Word of Faith movement, and there's a lot of truth in that. And I, I, I revere a lot of those ministers that you know, were authentic men and women of God and learned a lot and learned a lot about confession. Come on, somebody. Speaking God's word, amen. Those are, my dad was the New England coordinator for the Kenneth Copeland Ministries back when they first did the first world communion service back in 1982. And we were part of that. We grew up with that and I learned and I grew a lot under that. But how many you know, we can all go from one ditch to the next. And, and, and what I heard a lot was this. Now watch this is, is you know what? Come to Christ, uh, get a new boat. Come on, somebody. You can get a new Cadillac. That was the big thing back then. Uh, Cadillac parts are real expensive. I wouldn't advise that. But, uh, you know, you could get, you know, get your new house. And when I heard that about house, I went, man, this is 1980s. Interest rates on house, watch this, were 16 to 18%. So there was no way a kid like me was going to get it. But I'm thinking, wow, who's not going to sign up for this? You can have love, joy, peace, and happiness. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? Right, And so what happened is the message has changed through the years. Pull that up. And the message has been life enhancement, the life enhancement gospel, the life enhancement gospel. So let me just illustrate this with you uh, as I kind of get set up here as we conclude. But I kind of, I grew up with this and um, it's a, it, it affected my life and it actually, a lot of it caused a lot of struggle in my life uh, when I face difficulty. And so I'm just going to illustrate this with uh, a very uh, popular illustration that helped. And so just say, pretend we're on a plane right now, and this is my seat on the plane. And so I come on the plane, and everybody got a mask up now, and <clears throat> they don't give you food or peanuts or anything anymore. So you're on this plane, and the stewardess comes up, and the first thing she says is, sir, take this parachute. 
This will give you love, joy, peace, and happiness, and this will improve your flight. Well, who's not going to take that, right? So what do I do? I put this parachute on, and I go, okay, I hear what you're saying. And I sit down, and the first thing I notice is I can't, I like to lean back. You know, now you can get in a fight if you bring your chair back. Come on, right? And, you know, so keep the chair up. So it's leaning me up, and it's, it's irritating, right? And so then I notice a couple of my friends, and then just strangers starting to laugh at me because I look like a goofball. Why do I have this backpack on? This dude has said it's going to improve my flight. So I'm wearing it, and I'm frustrated, and they're taking off. And uh, the stewardess walks by, and they hit a little bump, and she spills burning hot coffee on my leg. So I jump up. Everyone sees. They're starting to laugh at me. And then I sit back down, and someone else knocks something over. The person behind me is kicking the kid, you know, the infamous kid that kicks your chair. And, and this thing is bulky, and she said it would improve my flight. Hum it with me. No, it doesn't. And so what happens, we take this off and we throw this down. We're tired of the ridicule. We're tired that we were promised something that didn't deliver. And we sit back down and say, I don't need that. That didn't work for me. That's the life enhancement gospel. Now watch this. Same flight. I come in and I sit down. The stewardess comes up to me and she says this, sir. Take this parachute. You're going to need it because at 25,000 feet, both engines are going to fail and you're going to need it for the jump. I'm the only one that has this parachute on. You got to think about that, work through that one. But uh, okay, <laughs> I put this on. Now watch this, watch this. This is what she said, 25,000 feet. You need to get out. So I put this parachute on. It's uncomfortable. I don't care. The stewardess walks by. She spills coffee. No, no problem. No problem. Why? Because I know at 25,000 feet, come on, somebody, there's a jump coming. Stand with me if you would, please. There's a jump coming. And see, and see, this is what's happened. Maybe we got this wrong message of the gospel. Receive Jesus. You're going to get love, joy, peace, and happiness. And you find out, I haven't gotten that. Pray for so-and-so. They died. They were sick. This happened. Why did this? Am I speaking to anybody? Why did this tragedy happen? I can't make sense of that. But you see, when you're on the plane and you recognize, you know, disaster's coming. There's impending death, but there's a rescue. There's a parachute. There's something that God has provided, and it's called salvation. It's the first cup that we drink of that when we receive that, we know we have eternal life. Why? Because there's a jump coming, friends. I said there's a jump coming for every single one of us. And the first step in God's plan for our life is to receive that. Every head bowed, please, if you would. Thank you, Lord. You say, Pastor, I thought Jesus had love, joy, peace, and happiness. Absolutely. You better believe it. That's a byproduct of receiving Christ, receiving the first cup. You're here this morning. You say, you know, I, maybe years ago, kind of heard that message and I walked away because I prayed and didn't get whatever. Now I'm mad, I'm angry. And well, here you are in church today or maybe you're listening online and you're disillusioned. You're angry. You're bitter at God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. He didn't answer your prayer. He didn't whatever. 
and things turned out real bad. I didn't ask for a divorce and here I am single now and what's going on? Friends, God does offer love, joy, peace, and happiness. But that is not the basis of our salvation. The basis of our salvation is we are sinner. We need Christ. And when we receive Him, we receive eternal life. He can speak. He can heal. He can deliver. He can bring eternal life in our life. But you know what? We are faced with heavy, heavy things. Jesus even said, in this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The heavy head bowed here this morning as a pastor. I need that. I need a drink of that first cup. I never understood it this way. I never really made that decision. I never really prayed that. And some of you were told and fed a line that, hey man, receive Jesus kind of like a rabbit's foot. Poof! Everything's going to be green pastures. Hey, listen, it is the best life on this earth, the walk of faith. There is no better. But let me tell you something. I've been through some hellish, difficult things, but God has never left me. And God has never left you if you authentically receive Christ. You're here today and you say, Pastor, not right. I've never really drunk of that cup. I, I, I've embraced the wrong mindset. I, I, I just, I need the real deal every head bowed say pray for me pastor I'd like to lead us in a prayer together and even those maybe online and this is the message this is the message you must be born again Christ alone is your answer Jesus Christ alone and what he did at the cross Christ alone are there good days ahead you better believe it but there are trying times for us all because we still live in this on this cursed earth God can redeem your life. Say, that's me, Pastor. Let me pray as we pray together corporately. Say with me, say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, save me. Fill my spirit with your spirit. I make a decision to serve you the rest of my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Friends, look up at me. That's the right message. That's the right gospel. That's what we all need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Someone give the Lord praise this morning if you would. Hallelujah.